Good morning. Welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 26th. I'm your host, Jamie Mottram. It's two days after the Redskins beat the Broncos at home to uh, keep a shot at a 500 or better season in play. Here, here to talk about that from the Washington City Paper, it's Matt Turrell. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jamie. How you doing? I'm good. So you were there. I was there. I was in the dull, lifeless gray box of FedEx Field watching a dull, mostly lifeless football game. Why? <laughs> Why did you do that? I, I had friends in from out of town who offered me a ticket, and I was excited to see them. And also, I told them that I was taking a separate car and would be leaving early and uh, so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I managed to be curmudgeonly about it. I'll tell you that much. I, I would have demanded that one of them drive me and that uh, they protect me from ending up in like one of those viral videos where somebody beats me up in the stadium. Oh, there weren't enough, there weren't enough people there for that. <laughs> there was no risk. Um, how long had it, had, had it been since you'd been to FedEx? Uh, it, it had been, uh, let's see, it had been about a year since I'd been at all, about three years since I'd been, uh, you know, as a fan, but that was with children and probably nearly a decade since I went as just a straight up fan. Um, so I guess it hasn't been that long then. Like you've, you've been there through the years. I, it's been a long time for me. I'm wondering if it's any different. I, I would be really fascinated to hear what you think of it because I found it, this was the first time that I found it a little more like, it made me more sad than it made me angry. That I, Usually you go and you have the whole, ah, this is stupid, why are crap stadium, RFK was so much better. And this time I just found myself looking around and be like, man, this is depressing. Like this is just the mm-hmm. whole vibe of it. Uh, even, <laughs> even, even, here's, here's, here's the sacrilegious bit. Uh, even the marching band, which I mean the Redskins marching band, part of the fabric of it, uh, iconic at RFK. Like I was watching, I'm like, Really? I mean, we're watching, they still have these ratty old uniforms. The the people, I'm not criticizing the people who do it. They do it because they love it, because they're proud of it. I give them, you know, all the credit in the world for it. But, like, uh, really, this is what we want to show at halftime uh, at an NFL game? This is a billion-dollar industry, you know? (laughs) I'd be much more into that than, like, some replacement-level pop star that is, like, you know, like, not even in the credits for the Macy's Day Parade. Well, I, you, what I want is for them to just put the red zone on the big screens for the 12 minutes a half time. Well, not a bad like, idea. That's that's good. Too. You know, <laughs> I don't I don't need to be entertained by something external. Just it, it's 2017. Give me something. So I, I'm wondering. Relevant. I'm wondering. I mean, you know, present company excluded. Like what is going through the head of the person who attends a game at FedEx Field when the Redskins are out of it and it's December, let alone Christmas Eve? I mean, I'm wondering, like, so my dad, like, my dad used to coach uh, baseball, and one year he was coaching, like, Babe Ruth baseball, but it, it, which is, like, you know, young teens, and there's, like, two divisions. There's, like, the division of, like, all the good players that are going to go to high school and be awesome, and then there's, like, the division of guys that, like, this is pretty much the end of the road for their baseball careers, and he was coaching in that division, I think because my brother was on, on the team. Shout out to Chris. Um, and he was like, you know, I love coaching these kids. I love coaching these kids because they're only here, not because they're good, not because like, you know, in little league, like your parents make you play. They're only here because they want to be here. Was there any of that at FedEx field yesterday? Yeah, no, I I think there definitely was. I was, I had some time to kill. I was waiting for my friends to show up. So I kind of wandered around the parking lots um, and and ran into some of the, you know, super fan tailgaters that I've met over the years 
both when I worked for the team and, and in general. And uh, there was this sort of attitude from all of them. It was kind of this like sheepish, like, yeah, man, I'm here. Where the hell else am I going to be? Like there was no, <laughs> right. there were no delusions about like, uh, you know, oh, this is it. This is the start of something great. And I want to be here for it or, or even anything particularly emotional about it. It was just like, I like being at the Redskins game. This is my last chance to be at one for the next, you know, whatever it is, 10 months or whatever. Like I'm going to be here. I, I, cert- I, I, didn't, I felt like they were like ready to go to Christmas later in the day, but like, you know, that's what you do. You know, in a weird way, and you know, I think it's, it's worth saying this because I and we shit on like our own fan base and our stadium experience all the time. I will say that that sounds like my kind of crowd. Like shout out to those people that were there on Sunday. A hundred percent. They were, they were the people you want to be fans of your team for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there were some horrible people there, but I mean, one of the guys I talked to was the dude who helped organize, making sure, uh, you know, everything got squared away when chief Z died. Like, like, I mean, there's a lot of really good people. And what I wish is that this team would give them uh, a better uh, place to watch the games and a better team to watch. Okay. So on that, you know, side of things, giving them a better team to watch, I, I barely watched the game on Sunday. This has been a running thing thing for the last three or four weeks. I watched like most of the first half, but the first half was a punt fest. It was super uneventful and just like, I don't know, I'll come back to the word depressing. It was depressing. Uh, I think I saw Cousins throw the red zone interception in the third quarter, which was like just an awful interception. And then we went to like a Christmas Eve service and lit candles and sang Holy Night or Silent Night. Um, and missed like all the good parts, which it sounds like you might've left early and missed a lot of the good parts as well. Um, I did. That's accurate. (laughs) All I care about is not that like cousins played good or bad or, or whatever. It's just that they won and it continues this path of like ending the season on a pot in a positive way, finishing either seven or nine, seven to nine or eight and eight Gruden keeping his job. And I think it being more likely that like the, the skins, bring what they need to bring to the table to keep cousins and bring him back. So like the Redskins won and that's great that they won on Sunday and they're seven and eight. But I think the more important part is just kind of layered on to this, this, you know, momentum of, of keeping the head coach and the quarterback in burgundy and gold. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, that, that's certainly the way a lot of people are spinning it. Uh, Tom Lavero had a column that he thinks that Cousins' comments after the game help him believe that that Cousins is willing to stick around. No, I don't care about the comments. Uh, no, our, our, me neither. I agree with you yeah. on that. But did you see what uh, our buddy Dan Steinberg wrote about how this is? I mean, this win is meaningful, um, which is uh, echoes what you just said. Well, yeah, really. and, he, and he said it in the very Steinbergian way, which is like you know, in the most, in the tiniest, most granular way, this is a positive. You know what I mean? Like. It, it's not but, a big deal. It's just but if it's I'm a being small, honest, positive deal. I read that and I was like, "Yeah, no, I don't agree." Like, I it just, I, I uh, I'm excited. Uh, I guess I don't know. It just feels like preseason to me. And the team they beat up on, I know they had a top ranked defense going in, but that offense was terrible. Uh, it was yet again a great argument for people who believe that you should pay Kirk Cousins whatever he wants because like watching Brock Osweiler was just excruciating. I mean, that guy was Correct. bad. Correct. So I don't know, but, but like, I just don't know how much you can take away from it. Uh, Cousins, well, you, I guess. You missed the part, by the way, with Osweiler. <laughs> it was the first half. I think the Broncos had three points. It was maybe the second quarter and there was some turnover. I, I think it was a Kerrigan strip sack fumble. Um, and the, the broadcast showed Oswald on the sidelines afterwards, just like yelling at the linemen and like, you know, not like 
not like scolding them, but like trying to fire them up, you know, like let's fucking go, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, you could almost, like nobody responded in any way, like visibly in the moment, nobody responded. I think I even saw a side eye from one of the offensive linemen who was sitting on the bench, just like, are you kidding me? Osweiler's yelling now. Well, and they went you... back out there and they, like, he like immediately threw an interception. <laughs> can you imagine you, your work flies you across the country on Christmas Eve, uh, makes you, makes you work. And then some really mediocre, annoying middle manager starts screaming at you to really get into it. Like, oh, yeah. what a horrible experience that must oh, be. That sounds, that sounds terrible. Well, so the Steinberg column, I thought, did a good job of, like, summing up how I feel about all this. Like, that 7 and 9 or 8 and 8 is better than, you know, 5 and 11. Um, but the other column, which I – which I, it gets to my point, but it gets to it in such a Boswell way <laughs> that it was, like, super annoying, <laughs> was Boswell's column about Cousins and, like, hey, if you look at quarterbacks who have had a minimum 250 pass attempts over the last three years, Cousins is top four in passer rating and, you know, total yards. And it was like, okay, man, you are like just efforting this take that like cousins is a top five quarterback or, you know what I mean? It was like putting him in the most positive possible light. And I don't agree with that. Like, I think cousins is good. I think he's borderline top 10. I want to bring him back. What I'm grateful for is that he's like campaigning as hard as he can. Like the most prominent columnist and sports voice at the Washington post is just campaigning for the skins to retain cousins and build up this case that if they don't, like they're just idiots, you know? And I am encouraging that. <laughs> like I, I would like that to continue. What I have reached, I finally, I think settled, uh, you know, I've, I've been oscillating all year, like, like a crazy person. Um, I think I finally settled. I'm fine with them bringing him back on a long-term deal. I'm fine with them letting him go somewhere else. The one thing I do not want is another one-year deal of any kind. I, I want no more uncertainty. I'm just, I, I, Jamie, I love talking to you, man. This is great. I love these podcasts, but I would love to be able to talk about something else. Would you rather you know? Cousins come back on a one-year deal and the team go nine and seven? It's very typical, you know, winning season. <laughs> or, or would you rather him go away and they go five and 11? It depends if they, if he goes away and they draft a rookie and they go five and 11 with a rookie, but they give the rookie 16 games and he, you know, develops, I would kind of rather that than another one year deal. Cause, cause let's say cousins does come back has for on a one year deal and has another nine and seven season. We are having the same conversation yeah. again and all the same points can be made. Well, he can't win. He didn't want them <laughs> to double did Like I just, I can't handle it. I think I the only it. way the one year deal happens again is if like cousins just refuses to sign a long-term deal, no matter what, like the Redskins offer him more than anybody else just does not want to come back here. And they're like, okay, well you have no choice. (laughs) You're coming back and we are doing it to the detriment of our team and our, our franchise. But doesn't that sound like the likeliest possible outcome? I mean, it's in, it's very much in play. Like I feel like it's right now. I feel like it's like a 40% chance. They long-term them 40% chance. They like force him into the franchise tag, you know, one more year and like 20% he goes, I don't see how they could let him go right now. He's, I mean, by all accounts, he has like succeeded despite everything going wrong around him. On Sunday, they had three fifths of the line gone. Jordan Reed gone, obviously. Chris Thompson gone, obviously. Josh Doxson dropped a touchdown. He was two catches on thirteen targets. Uh-huh. Their running backs were Samaj Pirine and, and somebody Capri Gibbs, something Gibbs. Bibbs, I mean, uh, yeah, Bibbs, Bibbs, Bibbs. Yeah, I mean, he had nothing. There was nothing. 
and he had yeah. 300 yards and three touchdowns. He's going to end the year with over 4,000 yards. I think if he gets three touchdowns on Sunday against the Giants, he'll end with 30 touchdowns. They'll have gone seven or nine or eight and eight despite all this bullshit. Like, I, I just feel like they almost have no choice. Like, they have to bring him back. Everybody knows that he'll, he should come back. If he goes, he'll be the number one free agent acquisition for somebody else with the biggest contract ever. Like, I just don't see how – so I'm giving like 80%, maybe 80% plus chance they bring him back one way or the other. Yeah, I think you're not wrong. And I think the most likely way it happens is, is on the franchise tag. So <laughs> l- look forward to hearing about that. <laughs> well, let's talk about Dawson for a second because I, I was watching and I kept thinking about Rob Gardner, man. About <laughs> Rob Gardner? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, well, because it's the same thing. I mean, don't you remember, like, Rob Gardner, they would, they would say, he has all the physical skills in the world. You should see this guy. Look at the tape. Look at this. Look at that. And the problem was he had a 50-50 shot of catching the ball, and that's really not okay for an NFL wide receiver. Yeah. Were you getting that vibe at all? What did it look like on TV? Well, I mean, here's what it looked like on TV. He dropped a touchdown. It was, like, right in his, right in his gut. He dropped a touchdown. And... They had a lot of they, – they had a, a total lack of success when targeting him. 13 targets. I mean, that's a, that's a, a you know, a real, like, top wide receiver gets 13 targets. Yeah. A real top wide receiver doesn't catch two of them. I mean, that's a 15% yeah. completion rate. It's almost unheard of. I can't even – I can't recall seeing a two for 13 day for a wide receiver. I, I, mean, I would have to look For the season, through, by yeah, the way, it's... it looks like – I mean, unless he has, like, 50-plus yards on Sunday – I think he's going to have less than 500 yards for the year. And he played the whole just, year. He was like just imagine top it, target or second it, target all year, and he's going to have under 500 yards. It's just not productive. Imagine, imagine if he had one less target yesterday, and it was that touchdown, and you take off whatever was 40-odd yards and a touchdown from his stats, yeah. and he catches one out of 12. I mean, my God. Oh, and that was like a <laughs> wide-open touchdown. I, I don't know how yeah. they messed up the coverage that badly. Like, that was almost like, even though it was a 40-yard touchdown to Doxon, like, not even to his credit. Yeah. No, it was – It was. I, I, I'm worried about that. I, 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 and I need something, as I keep saying, to hang my hat on to, to hope for for next year. And, like, come on, man. Help me well, out Well, I mean, dude, and, and Piran. I mean, Piran had, like, three yards of carry yesterday. And for the season, he's basically like three yards a carry. And there's been fumbles. Like, I just, like, yeah, you've got Thompson in the backfield. But I feel like you don't have any running back that, for the, that you feel good about going forward. I feel like you don't really have any wide receiver that you feel good about. I mean, Crowder as like a second or third wide out, you feel okay? Yep. Other than that, I mean, so you've got a, third, a, a good third down back who you could classify as injury prone. And like a wide receiver three, like a good slot receiver. Yeah, and you, you've got a wide receiver four. I think Ryan Grant is an acceptable, you know, fourth wide receiver, and and would be paid as such. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's fine. I'm sure yeah. Dodson would be an acceptable fourth wide receiver, but he's not getting paid like that. Yeah, no, that it looks like the one potential fun thing for the offseason is they could justifiably just beef up the skill positions, which is always fun, um, and it's totally defensible. You know, you well, I mean, if, your, you mean if you lose Cousins. No, if you, I guess you would have to keep Cousins on it. But if you lose Cousins, then yeah, I mean, then you're getting, you're looking to get quarterback and wide receiver and running back and probably one offensive lineman. But I, I think you're at the point where running back and wide receiver are arguably more important than shoring up the offensive line. 
uh, assuming maybe, everybody gets healthy. Again, maybe. Obviously. I mean, it really helps when you have a quarterback like Cousins, who at this point is experienced and decisive and can get the ball out. You know, he can really make up for a bad offensive line at this point. You know, but if you have somebody less experienced or less capable, you need that offensive line. I mean, I don't. I feel like with with Cousins coming back, all they would they could really focus on adding like a good wide receiver or a good running back. If they don't have Cousins, they basically have to put every asset they have into procuring a franchise quarterback. You know, I mean, like the 49ers got super lucky somehow with Garoppolo. Like they gave up a second rounder. That's great. But I don't see how that happens. Uh, I mean, otherwise you have to like put all your chips in and trade up for a Wentz or a Goff or and get lucky. I don't think, I don't know. It seems like there's four or five guys who seem like viable first round quarterbacks and the Redskins are going to be picking around 15th. Like you might need to move up a little bit, but I think you could get uh, somebody that is, a, mm-hmm. a first round graded talent, you know, mm-hmm. that you could, that you sure. could justifiably be like, yeah, we believe that in this guy, whether or not he was your top choice, um, without <laughs> having to give up much. Yeah. Yeah. I just, God, I mean, yeah, they could add guys in the off season, but a rookie quarterback with this offense just sounds oh, yeah. like a fifth, like you're averaging 15 points a game. Like you're like Mitchell yeah. Trubisky in the Chicago bears. Yeah. That sounds exactly right. At best. That sounds like the best case scenario, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that was good, but the but, defense didn't look terrible. But then, I mean, like you, but, but like right now you have a healthy cousins and you have this like just decimated offense around him and they put up 30 points, you know, they put up 20 plus on average. You look at like, it's pretty much a similar situation in San Francisco where there's like no real talent, but you add Garoppolo and suddenly they're on this four game win streak. Yeah. I mean, the, the San Francisco situation is a strong argument in favor of cousins. You're absolutely yeah. right about that. You see what the difference, and the Eagles are, uh, you know, in the right the other way. Contrapositive is that what that would be? <laughs> yeah, good work, good good term. I hadn't heard that before. Sure, well, let's go for that. But yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what what else stood out? Uh, Ryan Kerrigan had two sacks and now has eleven on the year, and I think we'll just have like around eleven, give or take two sacks in perpetuity. <laughs> like he's he's gonna he's gonna end up retiring in like the year twenty twenty or whatever. The Redskins all-time sack leader and like one of the all-time greatest players in franchise history. And somehow nobody will have ever really noticed him, uh, you know, nationally. It's incredible. It's incredible. It's, it's remarkable. He's so incredibly, like, consistently good. You know, like borderline. He's like Pro Bowl alternate good every single year. It's very weird uh, that, nobody, that he doesn't get more shine because, yeah, he's terrific. Um who else? There were some other people who looked good yesterday on the defense. Um, Preston, Preston Smith, Smith had two sacks. Looked good, yep. Eight on the year, matching his rookie total. I, mean, I think that's maybe like something, you know, there's a lot more than just the sacks, but I think you'd probably be encouraged that he had a bit of a bounce back year. Yeah, and um, what's his, Junior Gallat looked looked pretty good from what I could see. Um, I don't think he had as many counting stats, but there was just, he was involved. He was hitting mm-hmm. things. He looked good. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was, there's, there's whole, <laughs> the game I saw the whole deep. It was, it was a punt fest. Like the whole time I watched the first like two and a half quarters, I think Denver got, it, it felt like they got like one first down and had like 18 punts. <clears throat> yes, that's, that's accurate. Um, and that's what it was like for me watching too. But I, I don't know. It's so, so I'm, I'm focused still on the same angle. This, what to hope for. And now I've finally given myself, like, I feel like the defense, once Jonathan Allen comes back, uh, you're going to need to fix cornerback somewhat. There's, there's some, there's pieces you could add, but I just feel like the team is in a position where they could conceivably 
just keep taking the best available free agent, best player available if Cousins comes back. And that's kind of a fun offseason. It's a fun place to be where you're not sitting there being like, God, I hope, you know, a specific left tackle drops to us or, or whatever. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, well, this is, I mean, yeah, this is why I, I feel good. I want Cousins back because I feel like they're operating at a pretty good baseline if they keep him. You know, they're at this baseline of, of like between seven and nine wins. They've done it three years in a row. And if they could just have a, you know, competent offseason, I'd feel good going into next year that the baseline is like, you know, risen just a little. And they're in that like, you know, eight to ten win range. I'd, I don't know. I'd be good. I feel good about I, that. That's kind of how I felt about this year before all the injuries, by the way. Yeah, and it's hard to remember that because there were just mm-hmm. so many injuries. But yeah, yeah, you know, I think you've talked me into it. I'm on board. Let's do it. All right, great. I mean, and I, don't, I, I know it doesn't mean shit, but I'd feel so much better if they finished the year 3-0 and to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. Than if they lost in the Eli Kirk Bowl to fall to seven and nine, and you know it's like they didn't. Then you don't really end the season with anything positive. It was just like, oh, that was a lost year. Injuries sucks, man. But if you end three and zero to finish eight and eight, you know, like oh, you start feeling good about that. You're like, yeah, let's get the band back together. Let's yeah, it's division funny. next year. It's funny because I didn't, I didn't care about these last two, but given that they won the last two and are now sitting at seven and eight, I totally agree with you. Eight and eight uh, and, and a, going out on a win would actually mean something. Now, will it mean enough to make me watch the entire game on New Year's Eve? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I think I'm going to clear the decks for this one. We're going to have 13 Matrams under one roof. And, uh, you know, normally I've got stuff. I got to be like a dad. Got to go do, like take him to church, take him to a party. Mm-hmm. you know, go do stuff with them. No, everybody's going to be with us under one roof. It's going to be like the greatest game of the year. Well, I, I hope that I have even an eighth of your experience because uh, I'm kind of expecting to like half watch it while I stare at my phone. So, all right, well, we'll get back together next week. Uh, I don't know when sometime in 2018 until then. Happy new year. Happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All right, buddy. I'm glad you survived FedEx field. <laughs>